0: It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for his return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. When Jesus told Peter to cast his net on the other side, Peter had no idea of the catch to come. Today, Pastor J.D. will encourage you to cast your net, even when you have no idea of the catch to come you may not know the future, but you can know that Jesus is faithful to show up and provide. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at JDFarog.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on March 27th, 2022.
1: For today's update, I want to talk with you about that well-known saying, you know how it is when something happens, and we'll, in our efforts to try to encourage somebody, say to them something to the effect of, well, at least it's not the end of the world. Well, I want to talk about that by asking and answering the question of, or is it? I truly believe with all of my heart that, in fact, it is the end. And I base this not on anything other than prophecy that's found in the Bible. And thankfully, Scripture is replete with prophecy as it relates to the end of the world as we know it, chief of which comes from the Savior Himself in a well-known passage found in Matthew's Gospel, the 24th chapter. I want to begin reading in verse 3. We're told that as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Three questions really wrapped up into one. When and what will be the sign and what will be the signs of the coming of the end of the age? So Jesus answered, verse 4, And this is important. I want you to highlight and underscore this and hang on to this. We're going to come back to this. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And then he says this, verse 8, all these are the beginning of birth pains. Dare I say that everything Jesus says here, like birth pains, is coming to pass with increasing intensity and shocking frequency, namely that of the deception, which we're going to talk about more in a moment, the wars, the reported threats of wars, nations that are rising up against nations, and racial uprisings, in the original language of the Greek New Testament, that word carries with it the idea of ethnic groups. It's ethnos in the Greek, ethnicities, races. There will be racial uprisings, and there will be famines, and pestilences, and even earthquakes. And he likens all of them on that list to birth pays. During my time off, I reflected on the last 16 years since we started doing these weekly updates, and I have to confess that I'm just stunned. Towards the end of 2006, I sensed that we were entering a period of time the likes of which we've never seen in human history it was for this reason, this is 2006 now, that after inquiring of the Lord it became very clear from the Lord that I was to start teaching Bible prophecy and talking about the end times. Now if you were to say to me back then that we'd be witnessing what's happening in the world today, I have to say, you would have been met with my disbelief. Fast forward to the present in 2022, and I can truly say that the Lord has done a profound work in my life over the years in this regard. It's not that I didn't believe it, it's that my unbelief has been transformed into belief, that the rapture of the church is at the door. I've always believed and taught the sound doctrine of imminence, but I never heretofore believed that the aforementioned birth pains would increase with such intensity and frequency as they are now. I suppose you could say that I've always had this sound doctrine, but what's changed now is that this sound doctrine has me. And by that I mean a man can have the message, but the question should be, does the message have the man? Well, it does. (laughs) Now it does. So much so, it's been a game changer as it were, with respect to everything in my life, knowing that we're on the cusp of eternal life. Every decision I make is viewed through the lens of eternity. Now, lest one think that I'm somehow advocating for do nothing and just wait for the rapture, Let me hasten to say that it's the opposite that's true. It's not do nothing, rather, it's do everything and anything we can to get Jesus to people and people to Jesus while there's still time. There's still time. Little time. But like never before, it is incumbent upon us to do everything and anything we can in this last hour. Specifically, that of digging more ditches, shooting more arrows, and casting more nets. Holding nothing back with nothing to lose. When you've lost your life in this world, what have you got to lose? You've already lost your life holding nothing back. This is no time to play it safe. There's no more time to just kind of lay low. There's no more time, and this is certainly not the time to hunker down. No, it's it's time to start digging and shooting. I need to be careful on that one, and casting more nets. Let's start with the digging of more ditches in the book of 2nd Kings, chapter 3. Here we find the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom forming an alliance against the king of Moab who was coming against them. The problem was they didn't know what route to use, and even more serious was that they had no more water, which was in effect a death sentence. Enter Jehoshaphat, who asks if there's a prophet through whom they may inquire of the Lord. An officer of the king of Israel answers, suggesting the prophet Elisha, who tells them to dig ditches. And here's why. God was going to miraculously fill them with water. However, (laughs) they would not see wind nor rain. And in so doing, God uses their ditches filled with water to deliver them out of the hands of Moab, by having the morning sun shine on the water in such a way that it looked like blood. I love it when God does that. The Moabites then thought there must have been this great slaughter only to themselves be slaughtered, all because of the digging of ditches. The more ditches they dug, the more water the Lord miraculously provided. What's your point, pastor? Here's my point. Like never before, in our lives, metaphorically speaking, we should be digging as many ditches as we possibly can. This in anticipation of the many miracles that God desires to do, not the least of which is His providing for us and protecting of us in these perilous last days. Well, in addition to digging more ditches, let's not hold back from shooting more arrows, which brings us to the account in 2 Kings 13, also involving Elisha, who beginning in verse 14 we're told is now on his deathbed. This is Elisha, by the way, very interesting guy. Elisha had become sick, verse 14, with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Elisha's not having it. <laughs> Doesn't even respond to it. Instead, we're told, verse 15, and Elisha said to him, Take a bow And some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. Local. That almost sounds local. Shoots. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Africa, till you have destroyed them. Then he said, Take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. I understand that this was a declaration of war, and the shooting of arrows was symbolic of that. And this was not shooting arrows into land belonging to Syria. It's the shooting of arrows into land belonging to Israel that Syria had occupied. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him. This is Elisha, not Elijah. Oh, I could see Elijah in his righteous anger. Elijah the prophet was a fiery man, his temperament, his personality. But Elisha was almost really the polar opposite. Elisha was kind of a low-key, mellow, loving, kind, soft-spoken, and now he's angry. That's saying something. And he says, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Why did you stop? Why did you hold back? Why did you play it safe? Do you realize that had you shot more arrows, you would have been insured of the victory over Syria? To me, this is one of the most dramatic accounts in all of Scripture that speaks to limiting the Almighty Hand of our Almighty God. Like with Joash, let's not be too hard on him, we're just as prone to do the same thing. We're just as prone to tie the hands of our God's limitlessness with the ropes of our disbelieving littleness. Sometimes I wonder, do we pray too small? Our faith too little. I think of all the times in the gospels when Jesus, not angrily, but really with a pity. Why is your faith so small when your God is so big? Here's the bottom line. Give it another shot. Pun intended. No, not that shot. I'm talking about don't stop. Keep going. Shoot more arrows dig more ditches, and then stand back and behold (laughs) what the Lord will do. Oh, I tremble to think of all the times in my own life where I've limited the Lord and that which He desired to do in my life, had I but shot more arrows, had I but dug more more ditches. Well, from digging more ditches and shooting more arrows, we now come to casting more nets. And another dramatic account, this one in the Gospel of Luke chapter 5, and one for which, at first read, it's not so easily noticed. Beginning in verse 4, when he, speaking of Jesus, had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep, go deep, and let down, watch this, your nets, plural, for a catch. <laughs> but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net, singular. Oh, I think he said nets. So here's Peter letting down. Yeah, you know, okay, Lord, whatever. We've been at this all night. We've got nothing. and But because it's you and it's your word, I'll go ahead and do it. So you guys go ahead, just throw a net over, a net over. And when they had done this, verse 6, they caught a great number of fish, and their net, singular, was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he, verse 9, and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus, now this is what I love about the Word of God, because you catch the tone, the sensitivity on the part of the Savior. you got to know that Jesus knows how they're feeling. You know, hes He knows our thoughts. He knows our heart, right? And so He says to Simon, who's just mortified, oh my goodness, I should have, if I'd have known this, I wouldn't have played it so safe and just thrown one net over. I'd have thrown 500 nets over. So what does Jesus, in his sensitivity to Simon, in his gentleness, in his love, in his patience and kindness, say? He said, do not be afraid. From now on, (laughs) you will catch men. I'm going to make you fishers of men. So, when they had brought their boats to land, this is interesting, they forsook all and followed him. Here's the common denominator with just these three accounts. We have a lot of work to do while there's still time to do it. In John's Gospel, chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, we're told, Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind? (laughs) Jesus answered, neither. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that, here's why this man was born blind, answer, that the works of God should be revealed in him. And then he says this, verse 4, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Please don't lose heart when I say this, but everything up to this point was the introduction. (laughs) What I really need to talk with you about is why. Why it is that we are at the end with little time. Why it is that the night is coming when no one can work. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to make an appeal to your God-given ability to reason, and think things through? Can I do that? You know, God's given you the ability to reason, to think. And so I want to appeal to that and ask you to think through this question. Would it stand to reason that everything and everyone in place now could or would still be in place 10 years from now? By everything and everyone, I mean, do you believe that all the players geopolitically and the numerous created crises globally have that long of a shelf life? That's faith. I don't. If you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, this in and of itself is very telling given that the shift in the narrative was so abrupt. Yes, there's been what at least for now seems to be the lifting of some restrictions. But make no mistake about it. We are never going back to so-called normal.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Some of what you've heard today may have encouraged you in your faith, and at times it may have brought up more questions that you would like answered. If you're wanting to get in touch with us, go to jdfarag.org and find the contact link at the bottom of the page. That's jdfarag.org. There, you can let us know some of the questions you might have, and we'll get back to you and try to answer those questions as best we can. While you're on our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor JD. If what Pastor JD shared today has you really confused about what it means to know Jesus and life beyond this life, there's a resource for you that might be helpful. At jdfarag.org, find the ABCs tab. This will walk you through what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus and what that means for you going forward.